Hello and welcome to Contemplations. I'm joined for the very first time by Dan. Hello. And I'm Josh. And we're going to be discussing um, whether freedom is possible given all of the things trying to act against it to stifle it. And to, as a bit of a spoiler, I believe you're far more cynical about the possibility well, I, than I am. I, I used to be a libertarian, mm -hmm. um, but I had to give it up because it's obvious that it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. it, I mean, it just it just doesn't work in the in the environment that we have. So I'm I'm well schooled on the arguments behind libertarian, and I've read all the tracks behind it and the historical examples. And I can give you the examples of you know the Scottish borderlands from the 17th mm -hmm. and 18th century, which had its own um, libertarian system of justice. Everything was decentralised. The problem with that is that there is an underlying homogeneity to the culture. Mm. There is a strong shared set of moral values. Um, ultimately, there is a local lord somewhere who enforces some sort of top-down standard, even though he is obviously happy with whatever his situation is and is prepared to allow libertarianism to occur mm -hmm. in the farther reaches. But in the modern environment, we've got this democracy set up. And to, and to you know, nail that down, what's democracy? Democracy is the 51% trying to steal as much as they can from the 49%. It's the tyranny of the majority. Yeah, while the 49% try and beguile the 51% as much as they can. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and that, that is done with the maximum possible amount of infantilizing, uh, misinformation, keeping them infantilized, passive and misdirected. Now, in that environment, especially with the system that we have at the moment, which is basically a nation state, um, with the fiat money system, which I which I also talk a lot about as well, what that leads to is a massive amount of centralization, centralization of wealth and power. So I just ask you, in that situation, what does the smart criminal do? Does he does he mess around robbing banks, or does he get himself elected, or appointed to high office? Mm -hmm. Because what you've created there is a massive honeypot of this wealth and power, and that's what they're going after. I very if much you agree, try yeah. and introduce libertarian principles into this environment, you're just going to get rolled over. You're going to get taken advantage of. So I love the idea of libertarianism in the abstract. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are certainly examples of history where it has been able to work. And if everybody thought like us, it would obviously be the superior method to run society by. Yes. But most people are children. Mm -hmm. They might be wearing the body of a 50 or 60 year old, but they're basically <laughs> children. And the pandemic more than anything disabused me completely of my libertarianism because people want to be told. They want to be told, go and stand over there on that yellow dot, dress up like this, you know, clap like seals. And, you know, if, I'm, I'm sure if, if uh, during the pandemic, you know, the, the, the government had come onto the podium and said, right, now we've all got to wear a big bird costume, I would have gone to Waitrose the next day to find everybody in a big bird costume. That's, that's <laughs> the type of people that we are surrounded by. Libertarianism doesn't bloody work. So uh, that's my perspective mm -hmm. but you're still quite attracted to the idea yeah and um just uh, to address the audience quickly um mm. we're not just talking about libertarianism we're also talking about sort of liberty inclined right-wing movements more generally as well because of course i'm not even going to address left-wing libertarianism because it's an oxymoron in my opinion yes that used to be a i used to encounter lefties sort of 20 or 30 years ago who would talk about that mm -hmm. but I mean, I haven't heard any lefty talk about that for such a long time. It seems to have just dissolved entirely. Well, when the the, the left-wing economic policy is to get the government to redistribute money, hmm. it's very difficult to be liberty-inclined because you've got two principles that are complete odds with one another. You can't say, I want less government intervention, but then 
just say, oh yeah, but in the economy it's fine. Yeah, they, it, they try and make some sort of social libertarian arguments, don't they, around, you know, basically people being mm -hmm. able to do whatever they want. But then but then they immediately then go on to try and enforce it that everybody has to be accepting of it and, you know, have, um, you know, grown men in the in your little girls changing room, that kind of stuff. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's but they're left. I mean, they're, they're just a contradictory mess. I mean, let, let, let's keep to people who can actually think to yes, the right. Yes, of course. Yeah, and, and, and focus mm -hmm. on that. But, but even there, I've, I've got to say, you know, reformed libertarian here, given up the idea, doesn't work. What we need <laughs> is, is sober hard have you been? state power to crush our enemies. Okay, well, pretty much th this conversation is going to be centred around mm. people on the right who want freedom, be that mm. classical liberals, um, liberty-leaning conservatives, I'm looking at. You know, in the United States, they tend to be better than that. Whereas in Britain, you've kind of got a weird sort of state worship here, which mm. I don't really understand. And um, yes, um, this is obviously what many of us at Lotus Eaters want. Mm. And I think it's important to examine how feasible it actually is. And generally speaking, I, I hold the, I, the, the notion that a political system is a bit like fairies in Peter Pan. They mm. only they can only exist if a certain amount of people believe in them is is ultimately down to what the individuals in question believe in because once it reaches a critical mass yep then it undermines the, the system so a good example of this would have been rule of law um mm -hmm. rule of law is a myth um there are so many legal principles that were just casually thrown away and again i'm going to come back to the example of the pandemic um, because this is probably the most prominent example of it. But there are plenty of other examples as well. I mean, you, you, you could go back through Julian Assange or a whole bunch of other you know individual cases. But during the pandemic, what we saw is legal principles just casually tossed out of the window. Um, we saw legal challenges to a lot of this stuff, and the judge basically just said, well, yeah, but, you know, we're not going to do that. So, you know, none of these none of these principles work. Like you say, it all entirely comes down to um, who controls the mechanisms of power. Mm -hmm. And the mechanisms of power, because the right have been so permissive and caught up in, as I was for a long time, in libertarianism, which is, you know, you leave me alone, I'll leave you alone. Um, we have got to this situation where our ideological enemies, enemies of humanity, basically, these are anti-humanist people. They are, I mean, it's evil, isn't it? It's, it's, I mean, they've got to the point of, of openly celebrating child sacrifice at this point. They control all the mechanisms of the state of government of power of media um and and in that environment you know if if we carry on with this you know live and let live policy well we're not going to live are we i mean it's not going to work well yes and i think that to, to borrow a, a phrase from the left even you could say well we can just be intolerant of intolerance in that the people who are messing with other people's lives we can punish them and still hold our principles of, of non-interference. I don't see anything wrong with that. And to be honest, if, if I were to somehow magically become prime minister, mm. I think what I would do would have a, a massive clear out of all of the civil service and basically just wipe out the, the deep state as they're known. Mm. The people who pull the strings without any um, official authority necessarily mm. Clear all of those out. Um, abolish loads of government departments. Basically, defang the snake. Yes, I mean, I, I would turn it around the other way. In my idealised system, if if I was running things, you know, the, the British state would be as follows: the king's butler, mm -hmm. 
Oh yes, I've, I've... That, that, that would be it. <laughs> but but that's not the situation we're in because you cannot get elected these days. I mean, okay, take take the uh, the, the death spiral of uh, debt that we're in at the moment. Mm. We're in a death spiral of debt. I talk about it on my channel all the time. In order to get out of that, just to level the budget, you need to cut the budget of the UK government by thirty five percent. And because there's loads of non-cash items in there, effectively what you're doing is you're cutting the operational budget of the state by 50%. So NHS cut in half, schools, military, pensions, social security, all of it, all of it cut in half. Right. How are you going to get elected doing any of that? So we, we can't even get to the point where we balance the budget, let alone you know, try and roll back on the, all this um, intrusive state provisions. You know, This is a system which cannot help itself. It, it has to play itself out and collapse at this point. But surely if you believe that collapse is inevitable, doesn't that mean that um, in its wake, assuming that humanity's not somehow been wiped out, which I don't think is going to happen mm. if there is some sort of collapse, which I also don't think is not going to happen, but um, perhaps naively, but then no one's well, going to be around to hold me accountable for that. But the, the, the problem with collapse is, you know, take the Soviet Union. Did it? The point where it actually collapsed was decades after it became dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. So even if I do think this is going to happen along, you know, eventually, it could be a very long time. So it's it's worth staying in the fight for this stuff rather than just thinking, oh, I'll just yeah. wait it out. I also think that um, quite often forecasts for the future sometimes don't entertain the notion that people are self-aware that if a trend exists well, a now... Aren't. What's that, sorry? Well, a lot of them aren't. What do you mean? A lot, a lot of people aren't self-aware. Well, that, that is true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, there are certainly degrees of consciousness. I mean, this is, this is the whole thing that libertarians get into. I think, I think the problem with a lot of libertarians is they start from the assumption that because I can think, other people can. Mm -hmm. And it, it, take, it takes you a while of going through life before you start to realise that actually, you know, most people... I mean, what was that stat about like 51% of people don't have an inner monologue or something like that? It was something quite alarming. Yeah. yeah that, it, I can't remember the exact number yeah that, i mean that, that, that's terrifying and you know basically who does libertarianism appeal to i mean it appeals to um guys with suitably above average testosterone production and <laughs> women who are either married to men like that or who have had a father figure like that um all three categories are declining precipitously as we go from one year to the next you know mm -hmm. this, this is not a this is not a base layer of society of which you can build a libertarian based political system on yes but i also think that it doesn't necessarily have to be um libertarian in a sort of ideological sense i mean it would be far easier to have a liberty leaning classical liberal society in britain for example than say a libertarian one where you still have a similar sort of setup but perhaps curtailing some of the excesses so let's go to examples. Um, you know, for a long time, you might have thought that, well, Boris Johnson presented himself as being very libertarian. If you mm. go back and read his um, Telegraph articles in the 2010s, he was hitting all of those libertarian points, you know, small state, responsibility of the family, secure borders. I mean, the whole list of libertarian principles was um, articulated clearly and well in those Telegraph articles all throughout the 2010s. This was clearly a man who understood the libertarian principles. Mm -hmm. You had Dominic Grab, who um, wrote a book, I can't remember what it's called, uh, read it years ago, which which made the case for libertarianism. Um, you had Jacob Rees-Mogg in the government. You, you had all of those um, characters which prior to um, 2019, or whenever, whenever it was he was elected, something like that, wasn't it? Prior to then, 
if you had said to the average British libertarian, you know, what is a what is an achievable libertarian outcome? You probably would have said a government led by Boris Johnson with Jacob Rees-Mogg in it and Dominic Raab and all those mm. kind of things. So sounds achievable, actually happened. What happened the moment they got in? It was the most authoritarian government that this country has had since Oliver Cromwell. That's very true, yes. So, and- <laughs> you know, if you don't give up at that point, mm-hmm. you know, when do but- you give up? I think that that's the the state apparatus and the way mm. that modern politics works. I'm, yeah, so, I, so I there, there can be no libertarianism mm. until until mm-hmm. the until the underlying assumptions of the state and the economic system are reformed or changed or collapsed. Well, I think that when when you take a, a view of history um, with hindsight, there are lots of things that can happen that are quite surprising. I'm not necessarily suggesting it's likely in the foreseeable future, but I think perhaps. In the distant future, maybe not even in my lifetime. I think. Right. So I'm not necessarily well, it doesn't saying do me any good then. So I might as well. No. Might as well give up on it then. <laughs> well, there, there's still tangible points that we can okay. win, right? If we if we care about actual freedom, there are. So so what's an example of a libertarian-minded government that exists today, or has existed anywhere in the world in the last ten years? In terms of libertarianism, as in being that, yeah, uh, that, that makes that makes you know that, that, that enacts the libertarian principles. I mean, El Salvador at the minute, although they were quite authoritarian well, with the gangs, well, but then also they're they're violating the non-aggression principle, aren't they? So you can, so I mean, I, I like Bitcoin. I like Bukele a lot. Yep, I tax. like Bukele a lot, but I I don't think I can describe it as a libertarian. It's more so than a lot of places, though. And I'm, I'm okay with that. I could, yeah. I feel like I, in a society like that, I could live relatively contently. I'm not going to be... I mean, he, he, he rounded up like 60,000 people and put them in, in prison cells, um, where each prison cell holds like 100 people and has two toilets. And about but the cartel, I, I really don't no, no, feel I sorry agree for with all, No, I agree with all of that. I think it's mm-hmm. brilliant. I think it's very based. It's not libertarian, though, is it? And yes, he introduced Bitcoin, which is a big mm-hmm. plus, but that was because um, they were dependent on the US dollars, the only viable currency that they could they could um, use. Uh, and the only difference is if, if you're a non-US country using the dollar, you get all of the downsides and none of the upside because you don't even get the trickle-down effect from the inflation because mm. that goes to you know Wall Street and government, and then some of it trickles down to the rest of you in, in the US. But if you're in El Salvador, you don't even get that. So going to Bitcoin was a smart move for him. And... Bitcoin is a basis of which you could build a libertarian future, but I don't think that Bekele's guiding actions were no, libertarian. But I don't necessarily care about you know what principles they follow necessarily. Mm. It's, it's more about um, the society that they actually create, right? It's not necessarily yes. that you yeah, know you put a libertarian, libertarian rub, it, it, rubber it, it, stamp it, it on it. Sort of, it, it, it's sort of you know. Um, uh, Based authoritarianism, really. I mean, that, that, that's what that's what Bekele has been doing. Now, I happen to agree with it, and I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it but it actually works. But I think there's also a question here of how we define mm. the actions of a government, because I imagine that he's not spending his time um, harassing people for things they post on Twitter, like political opinions and things like that. Or no, he's probably a bit busy with a. Yeah, he's, the psychopathic killers that he's trying exactly. to get off the street. Yes. And so when you're when you look at it at that level, is the the baseline life of the average person good or not? Are oh yes, yeah, essentially. Free to make- yeah, but yeah, yeah. So I like I say again, I I think Bukele's doing great work out there, mm-hmm. but he's not he's not enacting a libertarian plan. 
You can't call that what he's doing libertarianism. But it's there, there are aspects of it that are more of that way than than otherwise. Well, well there were certain aspects, like I said, the Bitcoin thing, but mm-hmm. he, he's not doing it for that purpose. He's doing it for sound economic reasons, because like I say, mm-hmm. the, the situation with the dollar. But, Look, if, I tell you what, if you want a really good example of uh, libertarianism in action, the best one that I can think of now that I'm running it through my mind is going to be Hong Kong um, circa 1990s. So this is a country um, which was um, very libertarian in its approach to many things, um, both economically and politically. Mm. And it was enormously successful in, in doing so. But how was it able to achieve those things? In fact, 80s as well. In fact, even, 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 even earlier than that, it, it was, it was a, uh, a wonderful example of somewhat libertarian. Being action. a city-state is a good yeah. start. Um, what it had was a, um, a strong but remote leader, i.e. the British. It had a governor, but the governors who went out there, you know, Chris Patton in the end and, and, and others, they tended to be of the sort of libertarian mindset and they knew that they had that sort of strong central base that was removed. Okay, They had a homogeneous um, population mm-hmm. who felt connected to the people next to them. To, to, I mean, yeah, there are certainly still criminals in the midst, but generally people had a civic responsibility that they felt to one another. And they had a um, a moral code. Um, if you've ever seen Hong Kong as protest, I mean, it's 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 so remarkable. In fact, they were, in those big anti-China protests that happened reason, re, uh, recently, um, you know, I, I remember watching a video. It was a massive crowd, and and an ambulance needed to get through, and the people just parted like a wave to let this ambulance go through because they they have this strong civic culture. Um, you can have libertarianism in an environment like that. But you try applying that, you, you try taking that libertarian mindset and applying it to somewhere like Chicago. You, you are not going to get the same results. Yes, and I think that actually, depending on the the nature of the society, it, it depends on it, its needs, right? In Chicago, what you need to do is basically clear out the mess. Mm. You, need to, you need to go in there with a heavy hand and make things right first and foremost. Yeah, if you want to sort out Chicago, you send in Bekele, not Chris Patton. Yeah, That's exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't disagree with you, yeah. um, but I, I'm trying to couch the notion of whether this is is possible mm. with the the setup in which you know politics operates. It's not necessarily um, is there an appetite for it because I know that you know in the current climate there, there's no public appetite I, I, for liberty leaning yeah. government. I, I don't think that the political system we have will allow libertarianism to emerge. I think you're right at the minute, but I don't see it as inevitable in the future. Hmm. In that, this the the way that the system operates at the minute is very obvious to most people who follow politics that what it's doing is basically enriching those in a certain proximity to the people in power hmm. at the expense of everyone else. Hmm. And this this is probably from someone who's you know on minimum wage all the way up to people who are millionaires, multi-millionaires, they're still basically victims of the system. And I know it seems strange to say hmm. a multi-millionaire is a victim of the system because you people would say, well, how do they make their money? But then they could have been a lot better off had they not had to shoulder the burden of a, uh, a crippled state 
and all of the dependence that are put the, upon the, their shoulders by said mm. state. The, the trick is with our societies, once you go past a certain stage, you're able to invest in assets and then earn a yield off those assets. Mm -hmm. And through the inflationary system that we have and the increased amount of inflation that we have, you can then be rewarded for... Uh, a return on assets greater than you ever would be from from work. Yeah, because the the, the problem there is that um, if you're on the lower end of income, then inflation you can never is, get ahead. Yeah, you can mm. never beat it really because mm. you need enough wealth to be able to circumvent it. And of course, um, as with um, a, a business, it's like saying um, the larger the business, the more they can mitigate, say, legal costs and mm. that sort of thing. So a rich person can hire someone who's a legal wizard who can avoid mm. tax for them, and they can end up paying less tax than someone who is um, far less wealthy than them just by merit of how, being yeah, over and, the threshold. And, and, and big corporations love um, regulations because they can mm -hmm. afford to have a compliance team and smaller firms cannot even proportionally do to their size, have a compliance team, so they get tripped mm -hmm. up by them. Yeah, and that's, of course, why um, you have companies like Microsoft um, working with the US government to create antitrust laws as well, because mm. then they can word them in specific ways that I'm sure mm. their, their lawyers are more than aware of, um, mm. penalise smaller companies and favour them, and ways that make it seem like, well, we're just helping, you know, have fair regulation and fair trade, but actually, well, and, and that's largely because you know the big corporations they are actually writing these um, rules. I, I remember are, reading yeah. something from um, you know somebody somebody knew their business and who'd been around Washington for a long time, and he was saying you know in, in whenever it was you know like the nineteen seventies the congressman would write legislation, and mm -hmm. by the sort of eighties and nineties it was you know the congressman's staff who were writing the legislation, but by the time you get into the two thousands it is the it's basically the corporations are writing the legislation. Um, handing it to the to the staff, and the staff are then you know sending it up to the congressman, saying, "Okay, let's sign this." And you get these you know these massive bills that are just all clobbered together with you know um, various pork pork barrel spending that's coming from all the it, it's it's the corporations are directly writing the regulations which entrench their position. Mm -hmm. So I mean, all of this is happening. Just on that point, if I were to design a libertarian system on, on, on a set of legal, I mean, it would be legal principles. It wouldn't be legal rules. Mm. It would be, you know, these are the principles that you must be followed. And then that would be over to case law to interpret that on, on a basis. And then you would effectively build up uh, a set of case law that would gov govern behaviours. That that would be the libertarian way of doing a set. In of, that they, they follow the principles, they have like a key case, and then that sets a precedent following. Yeah. Yeah, all, all based around legal principles rather than... Because if it's rules, you can find a way of achieving the direct opposite to what the uh, legislation was billed as achieving while narrowly being within the rules. Mm -hmm. Where if it's a principles-based system, you know, it, the principle is what you're trying to achieve. And therefore, if you try and skirt around it, it, it it's not difficult for a, a case law system to be able to recognise that the, the that the underlying principle has been violated. And find against it. Whereas a rule-based system, it's it's. So I mean, I, I I used to do this actually when I was when I was in the city. There was um, various firms that um, I I was close to, um, put it like that. That you know, every time a new piece of tax legislation came out, all they did was was brainstorm how to how to achieve the opposite. And it normally took them about forty eight hours to figure out how. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, uh, I I don't really know how that problem could necessarily be fixed and I'll, I will admit by, that by it's... By moving it from rules to principles. But it, 
I, I don't disagree with that as a, a solution. But yeah. then we, we've kind of got to look at the notion of, is there any appetite for this? Is it feasible with the current yeah. political setup? And it doesn't seem to be, does it? And No, I mean, there's no appetite for it because just no, nobody bothers to think in these terms. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the, I suppose I'm making the argument here, but I mean, hardly anybody ever makes the makes makes the case for this sort of thing. If, if it's something that you're really interested in, you can go and find sources that, that tap into this. Like I used to read everything that um, oh, the Institute of Economic Affairs, they used to publish like a little booklet every so often. The Adam Smith Institute used to spend ages reading reading their stuff. Although, I mean, even look at the, look at those guys. What, what do they do during the... Um, um, during the pandemic, you know, one of them—I can't—I can't remember which one—but there was this guy, the one who don't don't say his name because I don't want to get sued. But you know, the the the, the absolute knobber with a with a the, with a vape stick, who who was championing lockdown all the way through. I mean, and, and working for one of these libertarian think tanks, and you know, I tell you, another complete state of libertarianism. Um, which which got me thinking about this was um, there's a Todd something or other um, who, who builds himself as the libertarian on chief in in Twitter. Oh, I know that yeah, guy. And, yeah, and he and he put out a tweet which was which was basically saying is if you don't use somebody's preferred pronouns, you're an a hole. We and both responded to that, didn't we? Yeah, I can't I remember. remember what I said now, but I mean, this this is the state of modern libertarianism. Yes, but uh, again, as I as I said, it's before, just utterly permissive. You don't. You don't have to necessarily look to the libertarians, particularly those associated with the party, because even though I'm quite libertarian, I, I don't like the association with those people because I yeah, don't but, agree I mean, with them. But I mean, you know, they're, they're, the, they're the ones that you're going to have to vote for if if you want to, you know, vote for mm-hmm. a libertarian party. Well, it's not focused on just libertarianism in that mm. there are lots of other people that are interested in freedom. The entire American right, claims that they want freedom, don't they? It's kind of wrapped up in there. I have numbers to give on this. Oh, really? Should, should I break out the numbers? Go on, bring out the numbers. Right, so have, have, have a look at what's on the screen now. So mm-hmm. this is, um, I mean, this shows how bad the Democrats were during the uh, the pandemic. But the, the red bar is the uh, the Republicans as well. I mean, just, just take this one. Send unvaccinated to quarantine camps. So So basically, you know, modern concentration camps... Um, as you can see there, you know, over 20% of Republicans were in flavour of that. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the blue bar? I mean, is that, was that 50, 45, 50%, something like that, were in favour of sending people to concentration camps because the TV told them to be scared. So, you know... It's not looking good, is it? There, there, there are... But... So, yes, there are mm-hmm. um, freedom-minded people in mm-hmm. the US and the UK, probably more in the in the US, to be fair. A decent number more, I would say, yeah. yeah. Uh, because e- even if you're on the right in this country, you still worship our NHS. Weird, isn't it? Yes. I don't um, really understand. So, so there are certainly more of them in the US, but let's not think that it's by all means, you know, all on the right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say all of them because, of course, yeah. there are some people who purport to be on the right that don't necessarily... Um, Pull yeah. rank, yes, like the Conservative Party mm-hmm. or the um, or the um, Republican Party. Yeah, when they're, they're all just they're all, they're all just status chills. Well, I'm of the opinion that corporations. Well, quite like Rand Paul. Mm, I mean, he's a Ryden. He's he's not as good as his dad, no. um, but he's he's a bit too on the uh, status side for me. But <laughs> yes, um, 
I, I, I would also caution against polls more generally mm. because particularly Rasmussen, they've released some somewhat suspicious polls that seem to indicate levels of public support for things that your ordinary person would think would be horrifying, let alone someone who follows politics. And the way that polling sometimes works yeah. is um, that um, the people conducting the polls tend to be people who weren't able to get a job in academia. So therefore, they tend to be not very good at controlling for factors that they should be. And statistical analysis can be sometimes quite weak, although it's difficult yeah. to mess up a, a bar graph. Yeah, it, to, be, to be fair, the, the British version of that is going to be YouTube. Uh, no, you, YouGov. 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 Mm. And they produced some very suspicious polls. And I think um, that it's basically manufacturing consent would be the oh, way yeah. I would put it. But, but I don't think that... I, I think they are... Um, gaming the polls, mm. I don't think they are completely fabricating them. No, so because they I still do, want I it to be believable. There is a decent number of people who were all in favour of concentration camps, um, mm -hmm. even in who, even who those who identified as Republicans um, in the past years. Now, I'm using that as an extreme example, but it's it's the case amongst so many things at the moment. And and you know the obvious example here is going to be you know R R N H S. Um, you know that thinking afflicts um, even people who are sort of you know quite quite pro right wing, and you know we we are so far off base, and I think it has to be the system that we're operating on. I just don't think that the libertarianism is, is compatible with democracy or the or the financial system that we have. So while those conditions are present, mm -hmm. I think that it's a waste of time to be pushing libertarian arguments. So. <sighs> You've you've identified these two two problems. Obviously, you've got the way that the politics works at, in terms of democracy. You know, yeah. minority movements struggle to get off the ground. That's fair enough. I agree with those points. And also that the financial system isn't sustainable, basically. But isn't that setting up for um, the inevitability of it having to change at some point? Is it? Yes. And if so, do you think it's going to become? more authoritarian in, in, in its place to mitigate for so, the lack of trust? Yeah. Or is it going to have to relent and, and grant people some freedoms back? Because if, in kind of my reading of history, when governments basically fail um, to, to deliver what they're supposed to, then kind of people are left up to, on their own. And you wouldn't necessarily call that... Um, a free system necessarily, but again, I don't care what the things are called. I don't care about the political theory behind them. I care about tangible, real-world results for mm. people on the ground. So, I find labelling something like labelling freedom as a libertarian principle, I find that pointless because who who cares? I mean, mm. I'd prefer to point to the actual policy that grants people more more freedom than otherwise. Mm. Say nationalise um privatizing sorry the nhs so you've got freedom to choose which healthcare provider i mean if only the left or right about how much the tories wanted to privatize it i might be a bit more of a happy man but yes um so if you're asking for my prediction i think we are going to basically be ground down over the course of the next decade so again going back to my ussr example Yes, it did collapse, but it, it was decades and decades after it started to just fail spectacularly. Mm -hmm. um, well, 
from 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 the earliest days it was because it was it was operating on a flawed economic model we are today operating on a flawed political and economic model um but we are still relatively prosperous and it is it is easy to um see the flaws in this when you look back over a period of decades so if you compare the you know ability for somebody born in 1956 to um have a good career, have a home, you know, foreign holidays throughout their life, all that kind of thing, compared to somebody born in, say, 1996. You know, the differences are quite marked on that. But the differences from any one year to the next are slight. And the incentives to stay in line are strong because you, you always lose more from um, any sort of particular deviation from, you know, the, the consensus that we have at the moment. If you put mm-hmm. yourself outside the system, it's very difficult to operate. So the incentive is always basically to grumble, but but not along. So, I mean, the best that I think I can do is is make very clear through the content and discussions that I have why the system is failing. So I, nobody is under any illusions as to why it is. Because, there, of course, there's always going to be people who are going to say, oh, well, the system's failing because we're not taxing enough or we've not centralised control enough or we're not clamping down on... Um, people who think that that gender is a binary or, or whatever the, the you know the latest mm-hmm. lunacy is going to be. There's always going to be people for that. But I want to make it very clear why the current system is failing so that people can reject it and where alternatives do present themselves, such as Bitcoin, for example, or effectively the only alternative financial system at this point is really going to be um, uh, Bitcoin, unless you're a nation state, in which case gold can have a, can have a role in this. Um, and that's the best you can do. But... Um, other than other than highlighting these failings mm. so that when an opportunity arises people a sufficient number of people are able to make the right uh, connections as to why it's failed and not repeat those mistakes i mean really what i'm doing is is i'm trying to talk to the people who are going to be of the age to be the decision makers at the point when it matters which might be the zoomers you know maybe by the time they're in their 40s and 50s they will be the decision makers who will pick us up from the other side of this. Mm. And if they've got the right set of assumptions, that they can implement a superior system. But as for as for implementing a libertarian mindset today, all I see that it does is just makes it easier for our enemies. Well, I don't necessarily agree with that part, but I do agree with everything else you said there. And okay. I think that you're right to say that it's going to be stretched out. There's not going to be some sort of coming event that's going to change the political system. I think it's going to continue mm. to degrade over time until it, yeah. it can't continue to, anymore. To be fair, I th- I th- all of this, I think, in probability distributions. Mm-hmm. So it is possible there is an event that causes a sudden financial chain reaction, dominoes falling thing. But I just think the most likely um, outcome is going to be that, that slow decline. I mean, there, there could be some sort of technological innovation that mitigates some of the worst excesses yeah. and basically acts as some sort of life support for the system, which might actually mm. extend it even further than we might think, which yeah, I think there, there are at- actually, Yeah, there are actually strong arguments mm. to that. So um, I, did a, um, I did a video on this big ideas. And so there's a, um, there's a US investment house called ARC um, who look at, developing technological trends such as robotics and AI and and various other things. And they've projected that if these technologies come to fruition, you could be seeing growth rates in the Western world of over 10% a year. 
Now, that is an extraordinary level of growth. Yeah, that's and, sort of China at its sort yeah, of peak, isn't except, it? If t you can trust their figures, of course. Yeah, except, except China was its peak was basically a debt mirage. I mean, there, there, yeah, was, yeah. there was underlying economic growth. I've done a lot of digging of, with yeah. the Chinese economy, and I think the, the growth figure is one of the few parts of it that was actually uh, positive, mm. because, of course, they've they've built their economy on debt even as much as we have, if not more, in some cases. Yes. Certainly at the local governmental level, they've got basically a catastrophe if they carry on using the same system. But mm. I think because they, they do have the centralised power, they have the, the ability yeah. to spot it and reform it as well. Yeah. So but there if, is that. If, if we were to get the technological trends that Ark's talking about in terms of growth, and we get that sort of 10% plus a year growth, real growth, mm. rather than just debt fueled growth, um, that would be sufficient to rescue us from this current debt trap that we're in at the moment, and would and but the flip side of that, it would, it would also rescue the corrupt and broken political system that we have. Yeah. So you'd then be in the difficult situation where you've got a state which is addicted to ever more spending and centralisation of power, mm -hmm. coupled with an economic miracle that gets them out of the bind that would otherwise destroy them, but that might still be the least worst option. Because a total economic collapse would be utterly horrendous for everyone for everybody yeah. involved. Mm -hmm. To watch the full video, please become a premium member at lotuseaters.com.